This is episode 221 of The Homeowner Show. Doing a special episode this week. I'm excited for you guys to tune in and listen. We have a former guest uh, that hasn't been with us for a while. We're going to get to hear her story. Uh, this is going to be a little bit, it's not like an off topic, um, but it's going to be a good show. Excited for you guys to, to join with us in this one. Tanya, welcome back to the studio. Thanks, Craig. It's good to be back. Yeah, we're excited to, uh, to get to chat. I'm going to get the video all set up here because Kevin's not here to actually do my job <laughs> for me. All right, we got, we got everybody on camera now. So uh, why don't you introduce your guest that you, that you brought in the studio yeah. with us? And who's who's so this, this today, dashing gentleman? I, yes, this <laughs> handsome young man. Um, this is my brother, Bobby. Uh-huh. My baby brother. Baby brother. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. My person. I want everyone to notice that she didn't say, I'm the older sister. No. He's my baby brother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. L- language matters to the women in our, in our lives. Yep. yep. <laughs> so... So your baby brother. So uh, my name is Bobby Foster. Uh, yeah, I'm the baby brother, and um, I'm, uh, we're just here to talk about uh, our our lives and, uh, and Sunset Cowboy and everything else. And yeah, you know, and we, we want to get into all things all things Sunset Cowboy because this is this is a, a nonprofit that you guys have started. Yes. Uh, to to assist people who are dealing with mental health issues. Yes, mental health issues, um, as well as the underinsured. Um, you know. One of the things that I have found in my research, which was really baffling to me, is that Texas has the most uninsured people mm. in the United States. You would think smaller states or less, you know, states with less, pro- you know, poverty, Louisiana, you know, those type of states. No, it's it's Texas. It's right here yeah. where we live. Um, and so, yes, uh, mental health and the uninsured is is really what is our focus in Sunset Cowboy. Yeah. It, do you do you know any of the numbers uh, dealing with with the uninsured in Texas? I mean like is this is it a product of people working part-time, having multiple jobs or oh. is it is it because there's so many like in, independent people in Texas that you know, like are kind of trying to do their own thing? I think it's a multitude of things. I, I know for me from my experience, you know, a couple of years ago when I when I really got sick Right. Um, and my husband had to leave his, his job after 20 years to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to go on Cobra. And in mm-hmm. Cobra, it was $1,800 a month. Yeah. And so for two years, I mean, that's someone's mortgage. Yeah. And, and I, I won't say that. It was not easy to make those payments, you know. But what were the other choice? I was very, very sick at the time. And so what, I, what I've kind of found is that it's a multitude of that. It's people who just simply cannot afford it. Yeah. You know, it's just too expensive um, or part time and the companies are not offering it to them. Right. Um, and and it's just it's the numbers are staggering. Yeah. And even on even, you know, when you go on the marketplace and try to find it, um, you're still looking at, you know, for a family over a thousand dollars a month right. to have insurance. Let's not even talk about your prescriptions and your co-pays and, and that type of thing. Really, who really has that kind of money? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just unbelievable to me. And, and Cobra is, I mean, I, from what I understand, it's a good thing. Like, it's something that allows you to keep your insurance while you're in between jobs, right? Right. It, you know, it it, it, like it's a higher premium, but it's like something that lets, lets you keep your benefits till you can get into a new system. Correct. That, yeah, okay. Correct. And, and so um, you keep your same doctors, you know, right. and so when you're we're going through things like I was going through with, you know, my cancer diagnosis and my seizures and that type of thing, it was imperative that I kept the same doctors. Okay. So it was just a sacrifice that, you know, we had to make that we have to make this payment and we have to, you know, keep these same doctors. But to say that after losing my husband's salary on top of and then, you know, taking that payment on, right. it was it was something that we had to really, you know, but I, we, there was really no choice. Yeah. But not everybody has that. And so the, the, the numbers are staggering. And, and like I said, I think it's just a multitude of things mm-hmm. that boils down to, um, are they going to pay their bills or are they going to have health insurance? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, that, that has got to be one of the most difficult positions to be in, to, to know that like you have, you know, not, not just like physical medical issues, but if you have like mental medical issues that you need assistance with and you have no means by which... You know, I would imagine uh, doctors who are wanting to help with mental issues have to be some of the more compassionate people. Absolutely. You know, but like, you know, they have to make a living too. 
And so like, it's gotta be so difficult for them to have to work within this system. Right. You know, and, and like, we all, we all know that like, well, because I think a lot of people would say, well, why don't you just pay for it yourself? You know, screw the insurance. Just go, just go find a doctor and just work out something with them. Well, like, that can be expensive, too. That can be just as much as the insurance sometimes. It doesn't work that way, yeah. unfortunately. I mean, it's it's very expensive. And I think that's where, you know, we get we get caught in these vicious cycles of staying, people staying sick because right. they just can't afford. They can't afford it. Um, they can't afford to speak up about it. They can't right. afford to go get the help. They don't want to be judged. People don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but ultimately... They can't get the help, and I and I'll tell you when I we talked and, well, about and there's there's even like a difference between going to see a physician and then like say you need medication. Absolutely, you know that medication is often subsidized by the insurance. That like if you need it and you don't have insurance, then you got to pay you know the full premium on that, which mo- most people I mean can't afford. No, I would imagine uh, uh, that most of those kind of meds are rather expensive. Yeah. I mean, one of my, you know, when I was getting my treatment initially, it was, you know, like th- with insurance, it was $3,000 a treatment. So you're talking about $12,000 a month. Yeah. Just for me to try to stay alive. I mean, that, that, you know. And that's what, and that's also what we're going after with Sunset Gubble. You know, I think I just read an article with Mark Cuban. He's uh, doing his own medication uh, yeah. online. He is, yeah. And where there's this medication that costs $9,000 for cancer patients, he's offering it for $47 on his on his uh, platform. Right. You know, and he's not letting insurance get involved in all of that stuff. You know, that's kind of like, you know, and uh, being a philanthropist like that, mm-hmm. you know, he's doing, he's changing the world because someone someone's life can be saved for $47, you know. Yeah. And uh, he's not letting insurance get involved. You know, that's kind of like the direction we're going. And more people need to build platforms like this to offset for the insurance that is, uh, you know, not being offered in Texas. Well, and yeah. too, and I think until it hits you straight in the face, mm-hmm. until it comes into your home, yeah. just don't think about it. It's, uh, yeah, that's other people's problems. Yeah. 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 They, they should have planned better. Or they right. should, yeah. And and we they should have saved more, or, you know, whatever the case may be. And we also want to let family members know, you need to look out for the warning signs. We saw signs, um, you know, with, uh, with CJ, um, that, that we, we could have, uh, we could have done things a little differently. We could have, yeah. you know, maybe if there was, if, if Sunset Cowboy would have been involved and you can get on there privately and click on a link, um, he could have been medicated at the time yeah. like that. So that's what we hope to do is, is to change the path of course, someone else's. Yeah. And let, let, let's, let's, we're, well, let's spend some time talking about yeah. CJ before, before we do that. I, I, I want to get a chance to hear a little bit of y'all's background because we were talking a little bit about that before the show and I, you know, I, Tanya, I, I've, I've known about yours for a long time, but I was just hearing about yours, Bobby. It's really inspirational. I, I, I'd really love people to hear like kind of where you're, you're coming from. Because, okay. um, I mean, you, you're, you are a person who like literally has turned their life completely around. Yeah, my sister always says I'm a walking miracle. Uh-huh. This uh, one? You only have one sister? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I just want to give credit where credit is due. <laughs> yes. Uh, Tanya has always said, you know, that I'm a walking miracle. So 11-23-2013, I'd hit the end of my rope. I was uh, 123 pounds. I was, you know, I was out there pretty bad. I was on drugs and alcohol. And uh, At 123 pounds, I mean, you're not a little dude. No, I'm yeah. 195 now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was dealing with. My whole life I was suffering from addiction. You know, I had uh, in and out of jails, institutions. I think I've been to rehab like seven, eight times. Mm-hmm. Family had uh, wrote me off. Mother had wrote me off. You know, everything, stealing from them. And I was uh, feeding an addiction. I didn't know what I was dealing with. Yeah. When I finally realized um, that I was dealing with the disease of alcoholism, and I got smart about it, and I, and I, I let go. One of the things, I grew up in a small East Texas town called Point. And okay. we're not, never, as men, we're not told to surrender or give up. Right. Just white knuckle it and tough it out and, you know, dust off your jeans, put on your boots and, you know, go. But um, when I finally surrendered and I finally worked, uh, you know, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous uh-huh. and I let go. And I had, uh, for me, I always say pain is a, a great motivator for change. Right. When you get enough pain and you, you put your family through enough pain, you, you, you change. So... You know, I had, I was like, uh, like I said, I was like 120 pounds. Mm-hmm. She picked me up and uh, her and her husband and uh, something changed in me. And then, you know, I, I, uh, I had, I knew I needed help. I mm-hmm. knew it wasn't just a bad circumstances. And, uh, you know, she guided me through. Uh, my sister helped me. I, I think I actually, so it was like nine years ago, I called her. I was uh, in a toxic relationship with my wife who passed away. She passed away tragically. She burned to death in a car accident. Oh, my gosh. And this is my son's mother. And, um, you know, she was, uh, 
she was using drugs behind my back while I was still in sobriety and she was using drugs, you know, and she had had my son. And then when it all came, you know, about, it was unbeknownst to me. Mm -hmm. So I had left her and I called her. I said, you know, this is going on. She even came out there and uh, Tanya came to Dallas and the birth of my son. I got custody of my son. And uh, I said, look, I have a, I have a 2001 Chrysler 300 and $600 and I need to come to Houston. Mm -hmm. She's like, come on out here. You know, and this is after I'd been sober for a while. Yeah. Well, I, I think, too, one of the things that we, why we are so close is, is the way we did grow up. I mean, mm -hmm. we are figuring out those things, you know, those generational curses, you know, being uh, born to a mother that was a teenager. My mom was 16 years old when she had me. She, you know, she was in poverty. You know, our, our father was an alcoholic. He wasn't around. He was never there. When you grow up without a father, especially as a young man, I think Bobby had a lot of identity problems he really didn't know who he was you know my mom couldn't teach him how to be a man she couldn't teach him how to be yeah. strong stand up for himself so all of those things encompass you know like when you're when you're being molded as a child you know and and you're figuring out i mean we're figuring out the generational trauma that you know we went through why we made the decisions that we made mm. i think me being a young mother i couldn't make those decisions i had a child but bobby you know was kind of out there you know, failing, flailing in the world and saying, you know, no one's watching me, no one's right. helping me, you know. Yeah. Um, and so he turned to, you know, alcohol and, and, and drugs. Yeah. Um, where that was never an option for me because I have a little, had a little baby looking at me. Yeah. You know, so our, our, our worlds were very different, um, but we grew up exactly the same. And drugs and alcohol were my solution for a long time until they weren't, they stopped working. And then I started getting all these repercussions from them, you know. Um, but they, they just come to a point to where it was like I was, I was missing Thanksgiving, missing, I was doing things that I wasn't raised to do, you know, and I was out there pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, I've kicked down doors and, and, and <laughs> drug him out of, you know, apartments. And, and uh, you know, I wouldn't give up on him because, yeah. you know, I, it was not an option. Giving up on him was and, not an option. You know, growing up, we were two small East Texas kids living at Granny's house, picking plum trees. Uh, grand, granddad had a, uh, you know, picker out there. So, you know, we... Uh, that's the, our relationship is what brought us that close. You know? Yeah, there, there's this there's this thing going on in, in in our culture right now where there's a lot of people talking about fatherless households. Oh yes, and and like the the impact of that on the culture and the society that we're living in, it, so much so that I am I am seeing this reactionary thing around it, where you you have some people out there right now talking about how like look if your husband is cheating on you and there's a kid involved it's it's probably more worth your while to stay in that relationship just so that you can have a two-parent household because of the outcome the downstream effect of the kids later on mm -hmm. and it, which i is boggles my mind it's it's unbelievable it, that people don't don't understand the effect and not just on the, the the young men but as the women too i mean i had our father has eight children with with four different women. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. And uh, never was involved in any of the children's lives on a, on a long-term basis, never paid child support. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like that back then where it is now. Um, but the, the damage that it does yeah. to the children um, is, is almost irreversible, you yeah. know, at times. Well, th this is what's interesting to me about it is these, these people who are talking about this, they, they have weighed in their minds, and I'm not saying they're making the right decision or making the right call. I, d I don't know. But they are, they are saying the downstream effect is so heavy that it's worth the trauma of staying in a bad relationship with someone who's cheating on you than it is to, to leave them and create a single-parent household. You know, and, and like that's, that's, that, that should just tell us all so much about how much it affects kids to live in a fatherless household it's 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 probably i remember we were we were little and we would be at at my grandmother's and and it would be times where you know we'd be at my grandmother's because my mom couldn't keep the lights on or you know whatever and we would just be like we would be sitting there and saying do you think our dad's looking at the same stars as us do you mm. think he's thinking of i mean that is deep yeah that is deep-seated stuff that even me at 48 years old i still you know think about how that the trauma of that like your parents are supposed to be your safe place to fall right you know and and having children and not being married and then you know raising my son now with my husband and seeing what a present father he is right i almost look at it and i'm almost like a little bit jealous mm. you know a little bit like 
man, you have the greatest dad. And I know that my <laughs> son is going to turn out so differently than we did because that's the way God intended it. Yeah. You know, there's, there's no mistake about that. A child needs a mother and a father. Yeah. And when you don't, either way, it, it affects them to their core for their entire life. For sure. Yeah. Well, and so we've talked about it a little bit. I mean, like, I mean, you told me several times you were a mom at 16. Yes. Yes. So like, tell us, tell us a little bit about your, your background. Then yeah. So from, from there. So, you know, um, my high school boyfriend, you know, uh, you know, things happen and, and uh, <laughs> conversations didn't happen. And so things happen. And, and so, you know, um, I got pregnant at 16 years old and, you know, um, everybody wanted, you know, give him up for adoption, you know, this and that and the other. And that just wasn't an option for me. Sure. Um, I'm the type of person I made my bed. I'm going to lie in it. I wasn't afraid to work. I wasn't afraid to, to get out there. And so, um, I had CJ a week before my 17th birthday mm. and, um, his father was going to play college ball and he had a full scholarship and I never told him, never mm. told him about him. Uh, and I just, you know, I knew it wasn't going to make a difference. It was just one of those things where you're stuck here and I'm going and were you were you thinking I'm not going to screw up his life? Is that is that where Absolutely. You, yeah. Absolutely. I knew that um we weren't in love or we weren't gonna get married or, you know, anything like that. Um I just knew that he came from a, a situation where if he didn't take that scholarship and go play football, he was gonna be stuck, you know, just like a lot of us were. And so, um yeah, a, a I small just, town fear. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And so um, I grinded it out and I worked and, and I took care of my child. And, Did and he ever find out? Yeah, yeah. He actually, <laughs> he actually, <laughs> he actually did. He, he came home um, about, CJ was about nine years old. And, you know, around town, he was like, well, you know, Tanya, you know, she has this blonde haired boy and he looks just like you. And he came and found me and he's like, is he my son? And I said, yeah, you know, and so CJ met his father when he was nine years old. Oh, wow. And it was like looking in a mirror. I mean, if you looked at both of them, uh, they're like twins, you oh, know, wow. and so um, probably maybe not the best decision, but when you're 16 years old, you, you, you don't make a lot of bad decisions <laughs> when you're 16. Yeah, yeah exactly. And everything that I, I mean, we, we steer clear, everything that our father, our biological father did, we, we made a note not to not to do that. We oh, okay. I want to impose that on our kids. Or yeah, and he wasn't ready to be a father. <laughs> yeah. He didn't want to be a father. Um, you know that, and so I didn't want to push that on him um, at all. Um, and so I just said, "Well, you know, I'm going to take care of it myself." Yeah. And CJ yeah. was just, just bringing him home. He was just a bright spot, and I was just so excited. It was my first nephew, mm -hmm. and <laughs> he was just. It, you know, I took the job of being an uncle very seriously. Yeah. It was a job that I did not take lightly. You know, in later years going, I would take them mudding and stuff like that nice. and off-roading. And so CJ was a bright spot in our life. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, was, it was hard. Um, but, I mean, he was, there was just something so special about him. First of all, he was the cutest baby yeah. ever. And people yeah. would come up to me, do you know he's so cute? You know, he's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I do. But you know what a handful he is as, as well. You know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I, and I looked at myself and I said, I'm, I'm actually repeating my mother's life right now. Mm. You know? Um, and I was like, I, I've got to got to turn that around yeah 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 i mean I, I people people don't think that there's anything to it but there is something to i mean i i think you used the phrase like generational curse earlier but i mean like we we often repeat what we see absolutely you know and curse blessing whatever you want to call it but like we we will there is a pattern to our behavior based off what we we see in our environment um, but there's, there's also like this weird, like genetic thing where like you can, you know, like without even knowing your, your parents, you, you, you are in some way programmed to sort of behave or act in the same way, Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a weird thing to, and, and we tried to say, you know, growing up, it's like, we're going to do different. Yeah. You know? we're, that that we're, takes a lot of work though. Oh, we're still working on it. And we yeah. always say, we always say, we always say DNA doesn't lie. Yeah. yeah. It's like, because, you know, it, 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 it's so, like, some of the things that I inherently hated because of my father, they're so natural inside of me. Yeah. I have to work really hard at it. DNA is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so like, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the, this, this baby boy. I mean, yeah. because this is the whole reason we're here, right? Yeah. It, you know, um, I was in labor for 36 hours with CJ. I should have known then that it was going to be a tough road. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I want, I, 
I never loved anything as much as I loved him. Mm. I mean, to know that, you know, God gave me this child and, and, and yes, I was young, but I knew that um, I wanted to change, you know, the course of his life and for him not to repeat the same things that, that I did. And so I think um, growing up without his father and um, not knowing until he was nine years old, having a young mother, he hated having such a young mother because his friends would be like, your mom's so pretty. Mm-hmm. Is your mom mm-hmm. dating anyone? I mean, you know, when he okay. got into high school, yeah. he hated it. Um, but in a lot of in a lot of in a lot of ways, he loved it because we really did kind of grow up together. You know, mm-hmm. he taught me so much, um, and also made me um, go out there and make a life for him. So um, I kind of took that as a challenge to what everybody who said, "Oh, well, you're another teen mom. You're never going to be anything. You're just yeah. going to be stuck here." You know, I left um, East Texas and never looked back, mm-hmm. and 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 really built a really good life for ourselves. Um, and I had another child, you know, a couple of years later, um, and it was just my whole life was built around those boys and and raising them and trying to give them everything that that we didn't have, and you know, unfortunately, there were. There were things that that I tried to um, help him with that DNA, you know, is there. You know, the mental yeah. the mental struggles that he had with his identity, with not knowing his father, with his father not being around. And then, you know, by the time he met his father, it's a little strange to say, here, here's a nine-year-old child, he's yours, let's build a relationship. Yeah. He had never been a father either. Um, and so, you know, you think you get him through those tough years and you get them through school and you get them through the girls and high school and, you know, all of those things. And, um, you know, to lose him the way that, that I lost him, you know, is, is been, uh, you always see it, you see it on TV, you see mothers losing children and you think, how are they talking? How are they walking? How are they, you know, answering these questions? You never think that it's going to happen to you. You never think that you're going to, um, get that phone call, you know, um, that your, that your child is, is no longer here. And, and you know me, Craig, (laughs) you know, um, it's, it's been the biggest thing that I've ever had to overcome in my life. It's been the most pain that I've ever had in my entire life. I can't even describe the pain of losing a child to someone, um, especially when it's unexpected and especially when it's so tragic. Um, and when you think, man, they're 30 years old, they're on their way, you know, and got them through all the tough things and, it's it's uh, it's definitely why we're here today. It's definitely why we we um, are here talking about um, our nonprofit that we're starting about mental health and and about the uninsured. You know, CJ was 26 days from having insurance at his new at his new job. Mm. Um, what was he doing? So he was working in like a warehouse um, in in College Station um, in the receiving department, and he was a receiving manager. And he had gotten a you know great opportunity, and he had been in the restaurant business for a long, long time. And he was trying to do something different. And um, one thing about him is he was charismatic. He had a the biggest life personality. Never met a stranger. And his uh, one of his uh, customers said you know what, I want to give you a job. Yep. I want to give you insurance. I want to, you know, and so, you know, he, he was, like I said, 26 days from doing that. But, you know, CJ was, was diagnosed with bipolar disorder young. And um, I was bipolar, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's bi- diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And he really never, I would always tell him, people can live with bipolar and have a, a really good life. You have to understand your illness. You have to respect it. You have to understand environment. You know, you have to understand that it's a serious and you have to take your medication. And, you know, when someone's 30 years old, you can't say, did you take your medication? And did this, you? And it started young with CJ. Like when he was 13 or 14, I remember coming on. I got the benefit of just to backtrack on me and Tanya growing up because our mom would be gone on jobs for months at a time. Yeah. You know, we would, we grew up together. So I was always living with Tanya and, and, and got the privilege of growing up with CJ. So... You know, that's one of the things I, I, I was thankful for. Well, yeah. and, 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 you know, I would try to get him, I, I tried to get him counseling. Yep. I tried to put him through, you know, uh, he wouldn't talk to counselors. You know, he wouldn't, he, to him, if he said, yes, I have bipolar or yes, I need help or yes, I'm struggling, it made him less of a man, you know. So did he, did he not acknowledge that? No. No, no. not at all. He, he right before he passed away, <laughs> 
one of the things, the last things that he said to me was, mom, I'm tired. You know, mm. I'm tired of fighting this. I do know that I need help. I, I do, I don't want to live like this anymore. This yeah. isn't who I am. You know, he battled his demons for sure. Um, because someone you would talk to and he was the most sweetest, most wonderful person in the world. And then, you know, he would go and do things that you're just like, what, where did this come from? You right. know, we, we battled, you know, I've, I, I say that life with him was like a roller coaster and mm. I never knew when it, we were going to go down and when we were going to come up, Yeah, you know? Um, but I felt like we were turning a corner. I felt like he really was tired because that, like Bobby said, you have to get to a point where you're tired of being in pain. Mm. Um, and you know, um, I'm kind of a type of mom is that I love you, but I'm not, I'm going to tell you, Hey, you're doing wrong. Hey, yeah. I don't agree with this. Hey, I'm not okay with this. Um, and that's kind of where we battled because he did not like me telling him, uh, that I don't agree, you know, but my thing is, is that you, I want you to treat people with kindness. I raised you, you know, different than this. And really the illness was the downfall for him because, you know, he initially, you know, he died from a brain, a brain injury. He got on a motorcycle. He'd never been on a motorcycle before, um, without a helmet, without proper gear, um, in a mania bipolar episode thinking I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And I can get on this motorcycle. It's just like riding a bike, right? Right. And no, it's not. <clears throat> and and ultimately, he wrecked that motorcycle. Well, that was the first time he rode it. First time. Oh my gosh. Off the off the lot, buying it off the yeah. lot. Um, and and you know he had eighty percent of his body was road rash. I think he slung him about six hundred feet. Jeez. Um, going about fifty five miles an hour with no helmet. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think most people in a car, they get about like going 55 miles an hour. That's no big deal. But like on a motorcycle? With no gear. Yeah. No gear. With no protection. Jeez. He was on a tank top and flip flops and yeah. no helmet. Oh my gosh. We like just shoes go, too. Yep. Yeah. Oh my no gosh. No proper, yeah. So he was road rash from head to toe and I actually held his hand uh, on that day and he, he was in great pain. Yeah. yeah. You know. And, so. and so coupled with the fact that, you know, he was in a, a, a mania state at the time, you know, um, and then, you know, going into the hospital, um, going into ICU, you mm -hmm. know, it went straight into ICU. You know, they kept telling us, okay, he has a slight brain, a brain, brain bleed, slight brain right. bleed. It's going to work itself out. Um, you know, and we just listen to the doctors, right? Like we believe the doctors. And then, you know, they rush him out. They rush him home and, and get him out of the hospital. And then two days later, he's like, mom, I'm having hallucinations. I can't tell reality from you know, I can't tell if this is the doctors. I can't tell what's going on. You know, I'm hallucinating. I, I don't know what's going on. So he goes back to the hospital, readmit him, um, starts having seizures, um, gets out of the hospital again. Was, was this all in College Station? All in College Station. Mm -hmm. okay. Two different hospitals. Uh, third time, he goes back. Um, they, they, he's there for a few days. Again, you know, I'm asking him, did you give him an MRI? Did you get, you know... I'm asking all the questions, but again, I'm, he's 30 years old. This gash right. in his head is significant. Yeah. You can see it. it he, he wasn't making sense. He wasn't talk, you know, talking right. He's very confused. Um, all he just kept saying is, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm in a lot of pain. Um, and the last time that they let him out was on a, was on a Wednesday, um, and he passed away in his sleep that night, mm. 30 years old. And I assume there was like an autopsy. Yes. And that, that was the, the, the hardest thing for, for us at that time. Um, my brother and I were actually in Dallas at a, going to a funeral and um, I got the phone call and um, of course, you know, couldn't believe it because I just talked to him at 830 the night before. Right. And um, the autopsy because of COVID and because of the time frame when he passed away, it took seven months Jeez. for us to find out. So, you know, he was in College Station. He had roommates. Um, you know, he initially, you know, because he had said that he was uh, suicidal or having hallucinations, um, they thought initially that he had, had taken his life. And that's what? the first thing that the detective told me. Why did they think he'd taken his life? <clears throat> because at the hospital, he couldn't, he was trying to fight the, the doctors. He couldn't tell reality from what was going on. He was hallucinating. You okay. Know? And, he, and he was off his medication. We didn't know if he did. Uh, we don't know if they had access to his history of bipolarism or whatever. Right. But and then they maybe use that against him because that's also, you know, we're talking about, you know, they use that against him to get him out 
you know, so, you're, you're unmedicated or, you know. Right. So, he'd, so. he'd been diagnosed with bipolar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Since, he was, since he was young. I mean, just, just really quick, I, I was looking this up while you guys were talking uh, from the National Institute of Health. It says that about, close to about 5% of Americans experience a bipolar disorder. Yeah. You know, and like that doesn't sound like a whole lot. You know, except for everybody that's paying a little bit north of 5% on their interest rates right now. Right. You know, it's, you know that, then it becomes a lot. Right. But I mean, like, that's five out every five people out of 100 that you meet, I mean, experience some sort of like bipolar right. experience. Right. And, and I think, you know, initially, you know, when the detective told me that, I, I was like, no, there's, there's no way that he wouldn't, that he would do that. But at that time, I knew what kind of pain and confusion that he was in. Yeah. So I'm not this kind of person like, no, never, not my kid. You know, I'm a realist. But waiting seven months to not know what happened to him um, was torture. Yeah. Absolute torture. So what, what did they ultimately determine? A brain hemorrhage. A brain hemorrhage. Yeah. It was, that, that it was undiagnosed brain hemorrhage. Completely related to his motorcycle accident. Right. Which could have been prevented. I mean, could have been prevented right. had they done an MRI. Yes, had they kept him a little longer, had they done more extensive testing, which brings us to, you know, where we are. You know, after losing him, we're like, what can we do? And you also know? could have been prevented if he would have been had adequate access to his his medication. He would if he would have been on his meds, he wouldn't have had that mania and say, Hey, I need to save gas and get on this uh, motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could have we could you have know? prevented ultimately the most expensive part of this, right. which was the accident. Right. You know, because he probably wouldn't have gone and done that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, but Absolutely. he did. But he didn't have any medication because why? Too expensive. Okay. Because he was uninsured. He was uninsured. Okay. Too expensive, and and I paid for many medications. Yeah. You know, but you know. How mu- how much was that medication? Do you know? I, the medication was the one was I think like three hundred, three twenty, something like that. For for how for how long? Uh, I think it was three months supply. Three months supply for three hundred twenty. It takes a couple of weeks or months even to work in your system before you know it starts changing your brain chemistry to where you start getting out of that mania. Right. So, and yeah. again, this the stigma of I have bipolar disorder. Saying that and being okay with that, he was not okay with that. He was he did not believe that he did. He just Oh, he didn't believe. Right. He okay. did not believe that he did. And at the end, I think, you know, he was like, Mom. Yeah, there's definitely something. You right. Know, I'm not sure. But gro- the way he, he felt, you know, growing up and, and, you know, the stigma between saying, I need help, I have mental illness, right. you know, is it's exactly what we're talking about right here. He never wanted to say those words. Yeah. Because he was 30? He was 30. Yeah, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. yeah. Like, I need help. There's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and, and maybe, maybe like we just need like better words than there's something wrong with me. Right. You know, right. I, I, don't, I don't know what they are. I mean, I, you have no problem saying I'm sick. I have bronchitis. I have right. the flu. It's no different. It, there's you know, not. Your brain is sick and you and it needs help. And, and there's plenty of people that live great lives with mental illness. Sure. But they're medicated. They understand their triggers. They understand what they need to do and what they can't do and the environments yeah. that they can't be around and, and those types of things. And well, and like, let's, let's be frank. I mean, like the, the people, the people who have money that deal with this, mm-hmm. right? The, uh, legit money. Like they, they end up having specialists that help them deal with this through like diet. Right. Through, you know, uh, you know, diff- different kinds of therapies that aren't necessarily medication. Right. Um, you know, th- there's there's a multitude of things available to people. Absolutely. It's just whether or not everyone can afford them. Exactly. And that that's right. that's that's the thing is like the, the, the you know how do you how do you make those things accessible to those that are actually struggling with these kinds of because because when you're struggling with these kind of things, you end up in a situation where you you're you're typically not in a financial position to manage them. Right. And so you stay stuck. Yeah. And you stay sick. And you, you get stuck in this cycle. Right. Of good, bad, good, bad. Right. Because exactly. like, what are you going to do? Like CJ trying to keep his lights on and trying to pay the bills, you know, it's like, you know what he, you know, do I, do I, do I buy food? You know, and do I pay my light bill? Right. Or do I go get, you know, physical therapy to help me with the exercise part of bipolarism or, you know, the mental or this, that part, you know, so it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. It's a vicious cycle mm-hmm. that is it's not just a, a, a problem, you know, uh, in our family or other family. It's, it's, if you look, I mean, we're, we're losing people to mental illness more than anything else. Right. And no one wants to talk about it. 
no one wants to talk about it at all. And, and that's why we, you know, we came and we said, you know, we're going to put my, my life savings, <laughs> your life savings, and, and our world into um, what Sunset Cowboy is going to be about is, is, is going to be where we're going to be able to have resources for people. Mm-hmm. We already have a group of doctors that are going to say, okay, you can get, you can apply and we will give you a discounted MRI or we will give you discounted counseling. We will help you. We already have a, a telemedicine uh, person that's going to, that's going to help us with, you know, getting medications at reduced rates. So, you know, we're trying to offer resources where there would be none. Right. You know, and even, you know, he couldn't get, he couldn't get approved for like, um, Medicaid or you know anything like that because he made just a little bit too much money, mm. so he was stuck. You know, yeah. very very much stuck. Mm. You know, the pain of losing CJ has motivated us to do this. Like I said, pain is a great motivator for change, and you know it's uh, we're spitballing ideas. And you know, part of my thing is you know uh, getting a bus and putting Sunset Cowboy on and giving people rides to MRIs. You know, through the donations and stuff. Uh, just in, just a little bit about CJ, you know, I, I want to say something to his, to add to his character. You know, he was letting uh, a family live with him. He didn't have barely nothing. He was letting a full family live in his living room. Mm. And, you know, that's because of the way Tanya raised him. One thing I can say, and I can, I'm going off topic a little bit, to say that Tanya was always there for CJ. She always did everything. She was an amazing mother. And uh, she loved her son dearly. You know, so uh, he had a family that was homeless living there, and he was letting them stay there rent free. Mm. Yeah, to the, to this date, I get Facebook messages. You know, your son helped me through high school. He, you know, I was shy, I was being bullied, and he, you know, he helped me through. I mean, the the messages that I get from the goodness in him that I know that was in there. Yeah. That that I know, but when you're battling mental illness, that's what it is. It's a battle. It's an everyday battle. And I saw it. I saw it for many years. And um, I did try, you know, everything that I could. But ultimately, you know, people make their own decisions. Sure. Um, as adults. And, um, you know, I just, this past year, I've been spending a lot of time with people that, that have lost, you know, children or uh, especially children. It's a different type of loss when you, when you lose a child. It's, it's not natural. Right. It's not something that you're ever prepared for. Um, and so... Um, the way grieving mothers get treated, you know, we're expected to just get up and move on, you yeah. know, and that's just, that's just not the way it works. As strong as I am, this has almost taken me out many, many times. Um, but I look at my children, my family, my grandchildren, and the, the, the mothers and the people that I talked to this whole year that have, you know, said, hey, thank you for being so transparent about it. Thank you for talking about it. Thank you for being raw and honest. And uh, I know a lot of judgment comes with that. Sure. But if there's one person that I can help, you know, if the people that, there's going to be many, you know, after CJ, I know that. But if we can get them some assistance, um, even the families, you know, um, we were talking about earlier, I have great insurance. I pay a whole lot of money for it. (laughs) Uh, But when I went to get grief insurance uh, or or grief counseling after CJ passed away, it was a six to 12 month waiting list. Mm. There was no, I mean, unless I wanted to pay out of pocket. And that's what I wound up doing is, you know, paying out of pocket. Um, I had to get on medication. I couldn't function, you know, for a short time uh, in order to, you know, uh, perform, you know, get his services together. And, you know, I mean, when you lose somebody so tragically and so suddenly it's trauma and I've been dealing with trauma, you know, um, and the best way I know how to get out of the other end of this is to, to give back and, and help somebody else. Mm. And, and that's, that's what we're hoping for. That's what we want people to know. Um, you know, the premises of of Sunset Cowboy And, and the way we came up with that is my son, he talked about sunsets all the time. Mm. He said he had made a Facebook post in 2018 and said, if I'm ever not here, just know that I, that I loved you. If I say I loved you, I'll always love you and look for me in the sunset. Mm. So that was where we came up with it. And he was a cowboy. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. the one thing he loved being a country boy. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we want people, there's a lot of nonprofits out there, right? right. And they do great work. But you've got to know what, what, are you, what are you giving? What are they, you know? What are you giving your time or your money or your donations? What what it's going to come yeah. out of it? And for us, it's it's going to be uh, mental health and the uninsured. And mm. um, and we just hope that 
you know, we can do this to honor him yeah. and, and the ones that are going to come after him and the families yeah. because it just doesn't affect, you know, it affects the entire family. You know, I'm not the only one that lost CJ. Uh, my family lost him. He left a, a daughter, you know, mm-hmm. um, which those conversations are really tough, you yeah. know, to have with her. Um, again, another fatherless child, Yeah. you know, yeah. so um, I just want to tell you, thank you for giving us the platform to, to talk about this and, and uh, educate people on, you know, what we're trying to do. So when people say, okay, the holidays are coming up or where do I want to help, you know, that they, that they think about us and, and, you know, click on our website and try to, you know, see how they can get involved. And yeah. I think it affects everybody. I think everybody um, has somebody in their family that they know or that have had some type of mental illness or is struggling with getting, you know, insurance or, or something. And so, um, we're just we're just hoping to make a difference yeah no and i i you know no thanks is needed here i just appreciate you guys coming on and even even talking about it because i I think it's i think it's such a difficult topic uh one to talk about and two to make public yeah in in any any kind of way because there's so much shame associated with it for some reason even though it's like something that's obviously prevalent yeah in, in in our society and we knew that we knew that 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 being transparent about um uh you know, our, our life and, and the thing, the struggles that we've gone through and, and, and the, the generational things that we're still going through and we'll still face. Um, we know there's always judgment, right? Right. But, um, you know, we're put here to help each other. That's yeah. what God says to do. For sure. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And the ones that want to support will support. And the ones that want to judge can back in church <laughs> they're, they're always going to be there right and yeah. that's okay yeah. let, let them do their thing that's yeah. fine <laughs> yeah so that's not our focus our focus is is the ones that are going to come after us and and if we can just give them a little bit of help a little bit of hope a little bit of resources yeah um you know um it, it's just it's it's going to give us some and, closure and, and to help us heal as oh, well definitely help us heal and you know to have to i was sitting there you know, this was all, you know, it started, you know, me and Tanya, we were just talking and I was like, I had had a dream. I was like, mm-hmm. how can I honor CJ? How can I honor and how can I help people to come after him? And I was going to start a clothing line. It was, you know, call it this too shall pass. And, you know, I had talked to Tanya about it and, and, um, you know, she started thinking of ideas and I had this dream that I wanted to honor him. Mm-hmm. And she started uh, putting her thoughts in. And when she puts her mind to something, I mean, it's just, <laughs> and there's no stopping her. You know what I mean? And she kind of don't take no for an answer. (laughs) (laughs) And I've always kind of rode on her coattails, you know, and kind of followed her lead. And that's just the way this relationship works. Sure. You know what I mean? And And I just want to say that I'm just so proud of my brother because, you know, so many people did write him off and, 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 and they had a right to, um, but, uh, you know, overcoming the things, you know, 20 year addiction and everything that he's went through, um, to be the man that he is now and the, the brother and the father and the husband that he is now is a testament to what we're trying to do. We're trying to show people that where you come from doesn't mean it's not, doesn't, you don't have to end up there. Right. You know, you can make a difference. You can turn your life around if you want to. It's going to be really hard and it's going to take a lot of work. (laughs) Um, but I'm, I'm just so proud of him and I'm just so honored that he's doing this, you know, with me. And that our family is is um, involved in this and, and going to make a difference in, in, in honor of CJ and and all those that that have lost you know someone to to the fact that they couldn't get the help that they needed. Right. Yeah. Mm. You know, CJ has a brother in all this, Colton. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's 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 an amazing young man too. I mean, so so young, twenty twenty six years old, twenty seven years old, and he's already he's working for Caterpillar. I mean. He's just, he's an amazing young man. Yeah. I'm proud of both of my sons. You know, um, I I wish that that things would have turned out differently for CJ. Yeah. For sure. Um, But every day or when I get those messages of of the kind of person that he was when he was not sick. Right. um, It just makes me know that that's exactly, you know, what I should be doing. You know, everybody kind of thought, oh, Tanya lost her mind. She sold her house. She sold her business. She, you know, she went underground for a year. You know, (laughs) it's not about that. When when I did lose CJ, um, it changed my whole perspective on everything. I didn't really care about being a boss babe anymore and building and, you know, having this big business and all these employees. Yeah. What I did was, okay, I know how to build. 
what can I do to make a difference? Right. And my passion changed immediately. And the way I looked at the world changed immediately. And, um, and I, I think, th- I think a lot of people might look at that and go like, well, well like, why can't you just do both? And it's like, well, no, it's like, why, why, why would I pursue something I'm not interested in anymore? Right. Yeah. Right. Like that's not going to be helpful to my employees. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be helpful to the company. Right. You know, like I'm, I'm going to be disinterested. Right. And it ultimately going to suffer because of it. Right. Well, you know, initially it, it took the wind out of my sails for sure. Just as a mother, the mm. amount of pain that I was in, um, you know, grief, that kind of pr- profound grief causes physical pain, yeah. you know. Um, and I had to remove myself from, from that for a little while and then pick myself up and say, okay, now what? Yeah. You know, um, and I, it was a very hard decision, yeah. you know, um, and I was very proud of what I built so much that, you know, somebody wanted to come and buy it, you know, yeah. and I was, I was very proud of that. Um, and it gave me a financial platform to be able to start something like this. Um, and, and I just, um, I just, I just know that this is where and what I should be doing. Mm. You know, that was for that time. And now this is this time. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, I was, I was, I was telling you earlier, like my, my background with any of this is I, I remember in, it was 1999. I was a freshman in college and you guys remember the, uh, the bonfire collapse? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was out there for that. Oh. Yeah. And I lost, I lost a buddy and, and, um, walked up on a, a couple of guys who had just fallen and broken their necks and died immediately Oh. I found another buddy, his, his uh, forearms had been snapped in half. Mm-hmm. Um, the scariest part about that whole thing was they turned the lights out after it happened mm. because it was, it was being broadcast like closed circuit TV across all of campus. Yeah. And so they turned all the lights off because they didn't want people to see what had happened. Um, and, and so being, being out there for that was obviously like a, a very traumatic situation. Yes. And, you know, weeks and weeks afterward, my mom had been after me. She's like, you need to go talk to somebody. 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 And I was like, I don't want to. Right. I don't want to. And finally, just to get her to shut up. Right. I was like, look, I'll go talk to somebody. There's a guy, there's a guy at my church. He's a counselor. I'll go talk to him. Like I've, I've met him a couple of times. I, I wouldn't mind talking to him. And he said that he'll sit down with me. Yeah. She was great. So I go and I sit down with him and within like five minutes of the, of just sitting down and just doing like an initial meeting, he says to me, he goes, look, he goes, this is, this is a really difficult thing that you've had to experience. Um, and I'm really glad that you're here talking to me now because you can deal with this now or it will deal with you later. Absolutely. And it will affect every relationship in your life, mm-hmm. positively or negatively. You get to decide right now. Right. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound pleasant. No. Like I want to, I want to have like good relationships later yeah. on in my life. I want to have like a positive impact on my children. I don't want right. to be a negative influence on my children. And so, like, I met with him every week for I man, I don't know how long, um, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Yeah, trauma will rear its ugly head if you don't deal with it. For you know, sure, PTSD, whatever. It is a dragon in the cave that is just looking to eat you. Right. And and it was that was one thing that I w- I was sitting there and I you know I told my husband I said um, I'm hurting. Yeah. That was a real, real, and I said, I, I, I don't want to be in this type of pain anymore, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, what does that mean? What do you, and I'm like, I, I don't want to not be here. I still want to live, but I cannot be in this type of pain anymore. It's too painful. I don't know how to function with it. And even saying those words were really hard to the person that I'm most vulnerable to that yeah. loves me the most, but he couldn't possibly understand the amount of pain that I was in where no one could understand the amount of pain that you were in because you're the one who saw that. Right. You know? Yeah. And so I thought, I'm going to sit here and tell him this. He's going to put me in like a funny farm or something. <laughs> um, and, and thank God he didn't. And he said, okay, yeah. thank you for telling me. You know, even to someone that I've been with for years and, and is my the love of my life, it was so hard for me to say, I'm hurting and I'm in pain and I'm not okay. Yeah. And, um, in that moment, I thought, this is, this is how a lot of people feel, Yeah, you know? So I can, I can definitely understand that had I not said that out loud, I probably would have kept burying it because mm. I'm taught to be a tough girl too. Yeah. You know? And there's, there's like a weird um, survivor's guilt. Oh, yeah. That, that comes with that too, right? I mean, like we're like, you're equally mad yeah. that, um, that it was them. 
and then guilty that it wasn't you. I remember when I was sick and I first got diagnosed with cancer two years ago and I was going through treatments and I told my son, your, your life is going to, your actions are going to kill me. It's going to break my heart. It's going to kill me. And ultimately his actions took his life. Mm. I never thought his actions would take his life. I really thought it was going to hurt me. You know, I I really thought I'm going to be the one hurting and I'm going to be the one gone before he can get it right. I never thought at 30 years old that, that I would lose him. Never. And so, yeah, I have guilt. I have anger. I have regret. Every possible thing you could think of. The only thing that I know to do is to help others and honor him. That's the only thing that I know to do to heal. And Hopefully, you know, that's what this is going to do for, for yeah. us and many others. So if, if you guys, if you guys take like sort of like a 10,000 foot view and go like, okay, by the time, by the time we're done with this, and obviously like this is something that you're probably like not really ever done with. Right. But like when it, when it arrives, when the plane lands, <laughs> like what, what do you guys hope that Sunset Cowboy will look like? You know, we, um, right now are currently, we have, um, we have hired a really great storyteller to do a documentary on this and uh, a couple other people in our lives that that we've lost that were uninsured or or mental health uh, to tell their stories. You know, we're going to go to Capitol Hill. We're going to rattle some cages. We're going to talk to, you know, governors and and people that can help make those changes for, Mm -hmm. for, for insurance. And what it, what I hope that it looks like in five or 10 years from now is that, you know, we have we have the conversation that is is being talked about. It's being openly talked about. Mental health is not such a stigma, yeah. and that anybody can go in, and that we have the resources to get them the help that they need. That is ultimately the goal: is that everybody who clicks on our website and needs help, whether they need an extra night stay at the hospital, um, whether they need that MRI, whether they need that medication, um, whether they need that ride to the doctor or whatever it looks like, that we're able to provide that for them, Mm. that we have the funding and the backing uh, to do that. And the only way that we can do that is go, go up against the big guys, right? Yeah. That's it. That's where we're headed. We're headed to Capitol Hill. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is such an uphill battle. And whenever and when every door is closed in that family member's face, you know, when they're trying to help save their, their child or everything, we want them to say Sunset Cowboy. We want Sunset Cowboy to be readily available. We want to have the website all inclusive. Uh, we want them to be able to have, uh, you know, access, you know, just be kind of like a household name. Sunset Everybody Cowboy. gets approved. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that is the beauty of operating a nonprofit, you know, because like, you know, we like so, so many people have had the conversation of like, well, we need universal health care. We need this, that. And then, and like, and, and one of the things that I've contested over the years is like, we don't, we don't have like a government problem. We have like a heart problem. Yeah. You know, we're like the, the, the churches and the people that actually genuinely care that say that they care actually need to step up and, and do the things that they are called to do. Right. You know, and, and perform and with their checkbooks, with their time, with with all these all these things, like to to actually give to the causes that matter to them, and 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 this is one that seems pretty simple because it, it affects people at home, right? You know, it affects their relationships, it affects you know people's ability to live normal lives, um, and 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 in y'all's case, I mean, that was you know, you know, we lost a family member. Yes. You know. Yes. Um. So, and I, I imagine it will be easy for other people who have had similar situations to jump on board and, 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 you know, say, hurrah, let's, let's charge the hill. We hope so. You know? <laughs> yeah. Cause we need it. <laughs> we can't do it alone. Yeah. But dad gummit, we're going to try. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to try it. I like how you said the 10,000 foot view because we're going into it, you know, kind of narrow right now. We're just, it's going to open wide up. You right. Know, we're hoping that it's going to open wide up just, well, and the, and the lady that's doing this documentary, uh, God bless her, she doesn't take every, every, every story, uh-huh. um, and she believes in this so much, and she's not afraid to rattle some cages, and, right. and that's what we got to do, right. uh, and so I, I'm very thankful for that, and, and the people that have already surrounded us, and I just hope that when people think about, okay, where am I going to put my time, or even if it's uh, Christmas, where am I going to give $100 to, you know? 
hundred dollars makes a difference. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it could be, you know, someone getting that medication or getting that extra night stay at the hospital or whatever it is that they need, or that mom that's falling apart, getting that grief counseling. Um, you know, if I didn't have the support system that I have, I don't know that I'd be sitting here talking to you right now yeah. as, as I am. Uh, but I know that I have a lot of people that love us and, and support us and, and are really rooting for us mm-hmm. and are, are thankful that we are speaking up about it, you yeah. know, and, and, and it, we can relate to a lot. A lot of people can relate to what we've, we're going through. I would imagine. Yeah. I, I mean, because I read the numbers to you from off the, the NIH website. I imagine those are pretty low. Yeah. I mean, because I, I imagine a lot of it just goes unreported. Oh, yeah. And undiagnosed. Absolutely. So, I mean, you, I mean, that's obviously true. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, again, I mean, we just, we want to thank you for the opportunity. And, um, you know, well, yeah. we're, we're just going to keep plugging away. So, are we, do, are we doing the clothing line? Is that going to be yeah, part of this? So, so I was going to say that the, yeah. the, 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 the hoodies are pretty snazzy. So, so what we're doing is, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to have hats, sweatshirts, t-shirts, you know, apparel that'll be on the website to click on. We can customize it. I know that, you know, I've been spending a lot of time with mothers that have lost their children and, and they just want something, you know, that, that has their child's name on it or remember, you know, their child or whatever, um, or anybody that they've lost. So, you know, there'll be, there'll be opportunities to purchase, you know, apparel, there'll mm-hmm. be opportunities to volunteer for fundraising. Um, there'll be opportunities if you just strictly just want to donate. Right. Um, and that'll all be on the website. The website is, 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 is a, it's very, um, it's in process <laughs> right okay. now. It's going to be, yeah. you know, it's, 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 there's a lot of, uh, nuts and bolts to it um and so it's it's www.sunsetcowboy.org um and and that should be up around thanksgiving we should also have the first snippet of the documentary of the backstory of the mental health and insurance by thanksgiving that'll be up on the uh website too everybody can go and kind of take a look at that okay um as well as our you have a name for that yet um the, uh, the the documentary um we do. Okay. We do. Can you not announce it yet? <laughs> not yet. Okay. <laughs> not yet. Do you know um, where it's going to be available? Um, it's going to be available everywhere. It's going to be available on um, Apple TV, um, Hulu, Netflix. Um, I remember what else? It's going to be available in a lot. Of, okay. You know. That's cool. Yeah. It's going to, it's, um, yeah, YouTube. YouTube. Um, YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so. also one of the ideas that I had, I, I really, you know, any uh, kind of uh, pro bull rider out there, I wanted to make Sunset Cowboy uh, belt buckles, you know, to, okay. give, to give away, to get the name out there, you know, and give a, a donation uh, for that. If the bull rider wins, give him Sunset Cowboy. You know, I know it'd have to be low circuit or pro rodeo or whatever, but just to get the name out there. So if Sunset anybody knows Cowboy, anybody in the rodeo we'd circuit. appreciate the help. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you, do you know my dad was PRCA? I didn't. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. I know he's really cool. He is a cool. He has a really cool mustache. Yes. <laughs> wow. So I mean, yeah. I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't a bull rider. He was. He was a uh, bulldogger. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I did not get his size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so yeah, we just you know um, we just appreciate all the love and support that people have given us yeah. to, to, to date. Keep Everybody, sending it. Yeah, keep sending it because we need it. Um, we're still healing. We're approaching, um, you know, the one-year anniversary of losing CJ. Um, and we were together when we got that phone call. And we'll be together on that day, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, keep sending the love, you know, uh, try to spread the word and, and just, you know, click on and try to see what, what we're doing. Well, and, and, and you guys, you have the podcast coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I have my podcast coming out on December the 4th. Um, that is the day that, that, that CJ went to heaven. And, uh, so I thought that would be fitting to, to start telling these stories of these women that I've been kind of sitting with and these families that I've been kind of talking to over the past year and, um, and the women and, and, and what we go through as families and what we overcome mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, what we can overcome as, you know, it's when you think, gosh, I don't know how I could ever get through that, but you do. Yeah. You find a way to get through. Yeah. And so that's coming out on December the 4th, and I'm really excited about that. And you told me a long time ago to do a podcast, I so I've kind of been, yeah. that's been in the back of my head. I'm happy it's happening. I'm excited <laughs> for it. I'll listen to it. Will you come on? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so, I'm not a grieving mother, but I'll come well, on the show. A, it's not just about that. It's, it's just about, you know, um, 
how we're here, how we're put here to help each other. Yeah. How can we help? You know, how can, how can I help you get through this? Yeah. Even if it's not, uh, even I just need to listen to somebody to listen to you. Yeah. You know, even if it's you right now, you know, putting, using your platform. I, I will tell you the, the struggle for me with something like that is you feel like telling anything about that feels like bragging. Right. And you don't want to, you no. don't like that. You never want that to be the point. I mean, for, for me, it's, it's, it's from an overflow of what Christ has done for me. Right. You know, and, and so like that's, that's everything that I pour back into pretty much everything that I do. Yes. And, and like you, I, I never want to brag about that. No. Because that's not why I do it. Right. You know, it's like, it's very, to me, that's precious. And right. I, I, it's difficult to share it as like, this is what I do. And it, because to me, it feels like, Hey, look at me. I'm doing something really good. Right. And it's like, no, this, but like, because this is, this is fractional compared to what he's done for me. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. And, and, and so like that, that's why it's difficult for me. I'm, I'm like, I don't want to, I want to say like, I won't talk about it, but like, it's like, I don't like it. Right. You know, I, I think you understand. Well, because you're like, okay, am I the chosen one to talk about it? Right. You know, but, yeah. but somebody <laughs> has to talk about it. They have to, so, right? Yeah. Might as well be you, you know. So. I, maybe probably should be my wife. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny you said, you know, cause she's always been, my sister's always been my biggest cheerleader. You know, I, I, I forget where I've came from and, and how far I've come and, and, and the, the life I live today is, is unexpected. It really yeah. is in my story and my, is my strength. I don't, I share it with guys at work. They yeah. know, and, uh, you know, I lead a team of 30 guys and, you know, they know I share my experience with them. Mm. You know, I leave with my heart on my sleeve and, you know, she'll have to reel me down a few months. She'll be like, Hey, you know, nine years ago, look where you're at. Yeah. I mean, you have a brand <laughs> new vehicle. You have an amazingly beautiful wife. Yeah. You know, your sons are living with you. Everything you, you live in a, a really nice house. Uh-huh. I, I try not to put a price tag on everything because my <laughs> mother does it, but, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> But she has. How to much you pay me. for that? Right. Well, I think it, I think is if you if you spend time looking at what you don't have, yeah. I mean, we can find that, right? We yeah. can find all the bad and oh, and the com- comparison is a thief of joy. And I always tell him, you know, where you are, where you are right now, where you've come from, you're a walking, talking miracle. Yeah. And that's all to God. You know, everything that why we're even sitting here, mm-hmm. being these two kids from East Texas doing <laughs> this stuff, um, is all God. Yeah. You know, not one time in this have I ever been mad at God. There's no yeah. way I would have gotten through this without God. Yeah. So um, I, I get what you're saying. It's, it feels a little, you know. It feels disingenuous. Yeah, it yeah. feels like, ah, uh, you know. But um, it's, it's the truth. It's our real life. And, you know, we always say nobody can get mad at you for telling the truth. Yeah. They so- can, but... Is, yeah. is is Bobby doing the podcast with you? He's gonna be on there, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll come. I'll come. <laughs> you come on. Come. I was gonna say, if you're not, you should just do your own. <laughs> he needs to tell his story. Yeah. Well, yeah. I do. I do go. I do speak in front of you know 40, 50 people at times. I do give my experience, strength, and yeah. hope. What it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, um, because you know the numbers, and I do know the numbers of, of people who recover from what I was doing. Yeah. Seventeen percent. Yeah. And everybody that I grew up with. And I talked to them and I had to get off Facebook because they're either dead or in jail. Yeah. Mm. And I was knocking on death's door. And for me to be living, it's just like a miracle every day. Like I don't, I don't, I, I can't even imagine it, you know, but I stopped, I had to stop and take a real look at myself and look at my character defects. And the, the center of myself was, I was selfish, self-centered, yeah. you know, and egotistical and all that stuff. I had but to work anymore. on myself, but not anymore. No. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch it to you right now. Dude, you could, you could have your own podcast, right? called recovered yeah and it's just you and somebody else that's also recovered and just have a conversation like that that would get lit up yeah i'm, he, I'm like i'm just i'm telling you that right now like it would it would work it would work and i'm not telling you that so you would be famous but like it's it's so therapeutic <clears throat> to and valuable to just be able to sit down and i think those are the best podcasts is when someone can sit down and have a conversation with someone that's actually a genuine conversation and, and, and people that have actually gone through the muck and the mire and then come out the other side and they didn't come out the other side clean. Right. They just came out the other side (laughs) and and made it. You know what, you know, what keeps it going for me is, is when I sponsor guys sponsor young guys that are, they're like, okay, I just want to stay sober. Yeah. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Okay. Call me once a day. They, okay. Five days will buy on the six days. They don't call me. Okay. You're not serious about this. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, do you really want, are you ready to change? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and so when I'm sitting across from one, they realize that their whole life, they were being selfish, self-centered and egotistical. And they realize that all their problems are their own making. Right. 
you know, the light bulb goes off. And that's the beauty of everything. When the light bulb goes off and when you help someone. Yeah. It's yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's man. it could be it could be powerful Maybe and inspirational. We're have two podcasts. You should. You should. <laughs> but like I, I tell that to everybody because everybody has a legit story and a gift to to share in conversation with everybody somebody else. Even if it's, if they're not having a conversation with they just you know, some, their own life experience is worthwhile documenting and telling. Yeah. It is. Because someone needs to hear that somewhere. And if it's not, then not everyone's valuable. And everyone's valuable. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Just my two cents. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, any anything else about about this this project you guys are working on? Nope, just stay tuned. Yeah, uh, we're gonna. Be do do putting, you have a name for the podcast? Not well. I'm not. Uh, not oh, okay. Yeah. Is it the I same as the documentary? Then is that like we're right. okay? Right. We're just leaving people in suspense. Well, no, it's going to be coming out soon. Okay, we we just we're getting the the final okays on the names and, okay. and all that. So do stuff. you guys have any social media stuff around what you guys are with the sunset cowboy? Yet? Yeah. So we have the website up for sunset cowboy, which is sunset cowboy, you know, .org. Okay. Um, and so that's, that's in the works right now. Um, of course we're going to have, we have the Facebook page. For is it. that already there? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So people can go look for that. Okay. Exactly. And so, um, we just kind of wanted to, this was just kind of like, Hey, we're coming out. This is what we're doing. <laughs> this is why this is the, the who, what, why, where I've been telling, you know, a few guys at work and I'm working on something and I'll get on my TikTok and say, I've got a few things that coming out with sunset cowboy. Uh-huh. And we were kind of like, you know, this was kind of like the, the moment. They yeah. were going to like embrace the world and just tell, yeah. tell them. Okay. Tell yeah. Them. No, I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> what we're doing. Well, I mean, we'll, any, any links you guys want to send us, we'll okay. send us, we'll, we'll link it up in the show notes and on the website um, and on social as well. I mean, we're well, happy, so happy much, to, to put it out there to as many people as we can. I appreciate it. Yeah. No. Any, anything else? No? I think we're good. Awesome. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate you guys sitting down and, and letting me have this conversation. I, I really love getting to hear both your stories. Thank you so much. Yeah. So if you guys are listening to this, you've enjoyed the, the, the program so far, click the like, subscribe, all the things you guys do to follow us. Share it. Share it, share it, share it, because this is, this is an important one to get out there. Thank you guys for following, and we'll be with you every Tuesday. Thank you. <laughs>